show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Red Wings trying to get the sweep. Three seconds left into the zone with the top run on the stand. McCarty up over the line. McCarty got by his man. He scores! What a play there McCarty made. Now we got a fight. Got it. Oh, and who's he involved with? Looks like that's John Gruden. That's the first time I've ever seen Fedek in a fight. Ten seconds away from successfully defending the Stanley Cup, the Detroit Red Wings. Their bench up. Osgood with his arms up over his head coming out. The Detroit Red Wings have won the Stanley Cup for the second year in a row. Shot in on the new goaltender, Eddie Mio, in goal. Look at that old school mask. And that's something. He's a brave man. Kleba catching up. He's in. She scores. Kleba. Coaster and Probert, though, that's the main one here. These are good friends. You rarely ever see Coaster and Probert go at it. Most of the former Red Wings. Detroit Red Wings, their offensive catalyst, number 25, welcome left winger John O'Grodnick. Welcome to episode Del Vecchio, episode 10 of the Detroit Red Wing Alumni Podcast. In the studio today, we've got Eddie Mio and we've got Art Regner. What's going on, fellas? Not much, Newman. I'm glad, glad to be sitting here again with my old buddy Art. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. It's always great to be here with you, Newman, but uh, with having Eddie in studio takes me back. I mean, we were... Uh, I thought a pretty good radio team there for a while at uh, at the uh, it's it's not yes, around it's anymore. Not around ESPN anymore. Detroit, but uh, it's always great to uh, to be here and uh, especially with Eddie in studio today. Well, the thing is, we would have been around except we had a volatile owner <laughs> that didn't know. Yeah, we, where his ass was sometimes. Well, you, know? you know, and sometimes and it's you know Newman would if I couldn't make it would Newman, sit in for yeah, me. Yeah, Newman did a great job too. So I mean, it yeah. was uh, so it's like old uh, old home week or old yeah, school it, it, week. We or just whatever. need Mark Wilson, just, you know, coming in to do the crosstalk. That's exactly right. Will, Willie Boy telling us about the latest uh, craze in uh, uh, pop culture. <laughs> he loved it all. So just so everybody knows, on our podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Red Wing Alumni. You can find us on Facebook at theredwingalumni.com. Um, one of the things we're going to go over today, we're expecting Jason Willie to call in. We're going to talk a little bit about his career and what he's up to. And it's good that I've got Art and Eddie in because we're going to really dissect a little bit this Red Wing team that just came out of the playoffs. Well, I was there Monday for exit days, uh, talked to the players, and then one of the most bizarre press conferences that Ken Holland, I think, has ever given. The first question was asked by Brad Galley of Channel 7. He was in the front row. And unlike previous exit days, uh, where you talk to the players in the room, obviously, right. but you also right. talk to the coach and the general manager in the room, uh, Jeff Blaschel, the Red Wings coach, and Ken Holland, the GM, 
were they still had the media room set up like they did during the playoffs, and they addressed the media that way. And really? So, yeah. So you that is new. Yeah, that is yeah, new. That, that does not new, happen. Yeah. And Ken yeah. Holland, the first question was asked by uh, Brad Galley, and I am not exaggerating. I mean, I love Kenny. You know how he likes to talk. He was so wound up. First question. 20 minutes to answer. No way. No, no break, hardly any breath. <laughs> and that's one of the things we're going to get into. I'm excited to hear about And that. Kenny's not a, long, a big talker. Yes. He likes to get it out and done. Yep. And on the line right now, we've got former Detroit Red Wing, former Canadian Olympian, former member of your Buffalo Sabres and Florida Panthers, Jason Woolley. Jason, how are you? Hang up. Hurry up. Hang up. <laughs> oh Hang the gosh. phone up. Oh, my God. Hello. <laughs> What's going on, Jason? Not too much. Just been um, resting up for the big show today. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're just getting back from Grand Rapids, correct? Yeah, I went up to see uh, Milwaukee and Grand Rapids play last night. Um, GR three straight. Interesting. Well, it's interesting because one of the things that they have is they have Dan Cleary. You know, based on your experience as an agent and as a scout, this Dan Cleary that's playing for the Griffins, is he somebody that you think that would work well in a Detroit Red Wings system? Uh, Clears looked very disinterested. <laughs> let's, put it, let's put it that way. Is that $2 million um, disinterested? Yeah. No, I love Clears, but. I think he's ready to move on. Well, you know what you, you gotta, know. You know, I represented him since he's been fifteen. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right, Eddie boy. Yeah, I know him very, very, very well. So, so one of the things, yeah. um, Wolves. You know, you're a local boy. You started with uh, Michigan State. Tell us a little bit about your career, how it got started, and how you ended up, you know, back in the Detroit area. Well, I grew up in I grew up in Toronto and played junior there and you know, was the best player there. And pretty much every team I played on from there on out, I was the best player. So it's been pretty easy for me, actually. Um, that's my, that's my wolf. I think that's I see your jersey hanging from the Baltimore Skipjacks arena. That could not be further from the truth. Um, you know, Michigan State was a great experience. Um, I had a chance to play under Ron Mason, who I still... I uh, actually represent his grandson, uh, Travis Walsh, who just uh, came out of Michigan State and turned pro. Uh, so that was a big draw for me. I had a couple kids that, um, that that left ahead of me so I on their way to Michigan State. So I kind of had an idea what it would be like. But, you know, leaving the country at 18 years old and even, you know, it's a four-hour drive, it's still, still a big change and took me a while to adapt. But... Um, I mean, I love the university. I mean, it's an amazing experience and, you know, would not have, uh, you know, changed anything about that, to be honest with you guys. And I played with some amazing players, some great players, and Rod Brindamore and Jason Mazzotti and Brian Smolinski and, and Kip Miller. And the list goes on and on and on. We, we had a powerhouse back then. Um, not so much right now, but we're working on it, I think. Well, so and, um, you left Michigan State. Um, you played. You were drafted third round, sixty first overall, by Washington. And from there, you played one game with Washington. Then you went to the Canadian national team, uh, which led into the Olympics. Tell me a little bit about your experience with the Canadian national team. 
Well, I was in no hurry to leave Michigan State. I was trending as a player. Things were going great. Um, but the opportunity to, to try out for the Canadian Olympic team was, uh, was there for me. And that's something I've, I've dreamed of as a kid, was playing for my country. And back then it was uh, amateurs. And, um, you know, which brings me to that debate of, I'm, I kind of wish it was always amateurs, but um, it, was, it was a great stepping stone for me. It was an amazing experience. To, I traveled all over the country. It was a very difficult uh, it was a real grind mentally and physically to make that team. Um, the many times where you, you, know, you said, yeah, I don't know, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm not going to make this team, but just keep, uh, just keep, kept working hard. And you know, I was a piece that they felt they needed. And I was able to make that, make that team and, and um, travel all over the world and head to Albertville, France, where, um, Overtime in the quarterfinals, or sorry, not overtime, we had a shootout in the quarterfinals against Germany. And um, kind of interesting as a defenseman, although offensive, I, when the game had ended, I just shuffled my way down to the end of the bench and <laughs> thought nothing of it. So Dave King was the coach at the time, and he, he announced the shooters, and he said Eric Lindros and Joe Juno and Jason Woolley. And <laughs> I'm like, what? Did I hear? Did I hear that right? It was uh, not anything I expected. Um, Lindros went down and missed, and Juno went down and missed, and both their guys missed, and I went and scored. So it was, it was exciting. You know, I know everyone back home was watching, and all the you know Canadians are crazy about their hockey, and I think my, I think, I think uh, probably one of the greatest experiences I've ever had, guys. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that. For, for, for much, I'll tell you that it was amazing. And and one note to mention Eddie and uh, and Numi on the um, Washington draft. I mean the third round, sir, 61st overall. I always tend to remind Chris Draper that I went one pick ahead of him. <laughs> does he remind you that he has four Stanley Cup rings? He does, and he also reminds me that I went a year later. So and, I guess he and does he that remind if he you had that, another year he and would go he, higher. And he <laughs> went for a dollar more than you. It's always fun to joke around with drapes, you know. It's uh yeah, you know, the four cups kind of trumps it just by a bit. But you know what, as in Art has a question, but the great thing is Draper does not have his name in the intro. Jason Woolley has his name in the intro. For the Red Wing Alumni Podcast. It does sound, and it sounds great. I mean, Jason, my question to you is, you, as you said, you attended Michigan State. You played college hockey there. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious now. If you look at it, it seems that U.S. colleges are seem to have made more of an impact into the NHL uh, with, with players. I know it's kind of an evolution. I'm kind of curious. We get into this debate a lot between major juniors or U.S. college hockey. What is the best way for... Uh, for a kid to go, and I guess everybody's in their own individual case, but I'm kind of curious, where do you fall on that? Because you represent kids who are in, in major junior and kids who play U.S. college hockey. Well, Art, you, you nailed it uh, by saying each each player is their own case. So it, it's it's that simple. I have to get a real good feel for what not only the type of player that he is, but you know what type of person he is. 
um, would he be able to handle that OHL grind at 16 years old? Is he good enough? Um, you know, everybody talks about it being a development league, but it really is a sprint to 20 years old. And then at 20 years old, you're either good enough to move on or you take your school package and, and off to school you go and, and that, and that's it. And so, you know, it, it is case by case. I like to go off my own experiences, but obviously I think helps is, um, I grew up playing with our, with, with Brendan Shanahan and not only played with him here with Detroit, but Shani and I and Brian Marchment grew up playing together. And there's three NHLers who, you know, kind of all had different paths. And I looked at Shani at uh, 16 years old and he was going to be the top pick in the OHL draft. And I looked in the mirror and said, I'm nowhere even close to this guy. You know, so and- for me, it was, I needed more time. And so I don't know, and, you know, Eddie was in the business as well. And I, I, I don't know if there's a better answer than, you know, you just have to make the best decision at the time on behalf of the player. And, you know, who knows it better than us? We've, yeah. we've been through it. We've right. been through the grind. And, right. But I think, um, Jason, I think you, you, you were dead on, on it. You got to look at the player. And, 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 and as you said, I was in the business and, back in the 90s was a little bit more different that colleges hadn't really gotten to the level of junior A yet but yet and I'll give you one example uh, Boyd Deverell when I was recruiting him uh, it was Michigan State all the way but he was like only 5'10 at the time and the way I talked to the parents was and I think you do the same is if you're a high you think you're going to be a high pick and you really want to make it to the NHL then you go the junior route if you're a kind of a guy that's you know you're, you know you're in the middle, you're undecisive, uh, then you go the college route because it's four years and education, and, and and that's the way I kind of planned on the parents. Well, Boyd Devereaux, that summer the dad called me, he had sprouted up to six one, and then they finally decided they had a commitment with Ron Mason in in Michigan State, and right, right. then he decided he was Kitchener's number one overall. And he went to, and played Kitchener. Of course, he's from uh, Strath, uh, Strathford, uh, so yeah. it's right down the road. So I think that's it, it's a very difficult, uh, especially for you and myself when I was in the business, to, to go into the family and kind of give them the direction because you never know. It's, it's all what the boy wants. If he wants to play college, you let him go play because nowadays – you can make it after two years in college and leave. You know, I, I was wondering, and, and you know, not to get so deep into this conversation, but I think you both bring up some really interesting points. And I'm kind of curious because there's certainly plenty of Canadian kids playing U.S. college hockey. Yet, do you think because for an American, let's say a Dylan Larkin or a Jack Eichel, both of whom were in the development program now in Plymouth, it was, a, it was in Ann Arbor up until this year. Uh, that for an American kid, because of the way college athletics is so so much larger here in the United States than it is in Canada, that there's more pressure on an American kid to go to college, shall we say, as opposed to juniors, even though Mike Madonna did it, uh, because they a lot of American parents and people might not even know what junior hockey is all about. Oh, for sure. It's just the unfamiliarity. I mean, the Ontario kids, the, the Dub kids, and the Q kids, um, they grow up in that, the heart of the, that CHL league. And that's where they all, you know, strive to play. Right. 
Uh, it's almost like college is a, oh, I'm not good enough to play OHL. Well, then I'm just going to go to college. It, it doesn't work that way. I mean, you got to be a great player. you got to be a great character kid. And you got to stay on the tracks for a long time. And there's, we live in a world of a lot of distractions now. And it's very easy um, for kids to, you know, lose focus and lose interest. It, it, it's, it's very difficult. Um, this this journey, although worth it, it's hard. So, um, you know, I do a lot on feel, to be honest with you guys. I have, I trust my instincts on each kid. I spend a lot of time with these kids. I get to know them. I get to know what they're all about. And I can tell you that certain kids can't, you know, won't survive in certain environments. And if I feel that, then I'm sure as heck going to let the family know about it. And very strongly, and you know, ninety nine percent of the time, I'm I'm dead on. It's just because we've been through this, and we've been we've been in the battles, and you know, we we know what it takes. And 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 the college route isn't exactly the easy route. I mean, like you just said, you got you got classes you have you to go, go to school, right? I mean, so a lot of the Canadian kids, as you're mentioning, Canadian kids, they aren't bred that way. That. You know, the only thing they want to do, they go to AAA, they travel just as much nowadays. Some of them aren't just bred in with the college. It's not driven down, whereas I think you're right, uh, Art, that in the U.S. it's a little bit more prevalent. Well, I could That's admit, what you grow up. If I were a great college. hockey player and I had a choice, like if, the, you know, if I could go you know, at 16, 17 leave home, I could see my parents almost freaking out and saying, what are you mm-hmm. talking about? You're going to University of Michigan or you're going to Michigan State or yeah. you're going to college. I mean, I don't care how good a player you are. And I just wondered if that, if, if that was a fact. I mean, Dylan Larkin, you talked to him. He grew up being a Michigan fan, wanted to play for Michigan. You know, Jack Eichel wanted to go to BU, yeah. you know. But, but, you know, yet they obviously were good enough to play junior. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I think, Jason, what do you think is, is nowadays – uh, like at least when I was in the agent business, it was normally a four-year program for colleges. Now you're going. Yeah. You just mentioned Dylan and Eichel and all the, 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 the. It's comparable that these guys leave after the first year, so they go to college it's and very, they're that good. It's very yeah. difficult. Yeah, it's yeah. very difficult. It's, 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 it's very difficult for teams to recruit now because that too. Yeah, they're looking. They're looking for. You know, do you go for that two-year player? Or do you go for the four-year exactly. player? How do you determine that? Some kids. Look at Danny DeKaiser, not even on the radar, and then boom, all of a sudden he's, you know, a much sought-after sought free agent. So, you know, some of these kids, they bloom at different times, and I was that guy. I was a late bloomer, um, you know, and some kids are just that good right away. They have the size, they have the strength, they have the hockey sense. And, to, and you know, to be honest with you, even those kids, it's still a long shot. So I think the same, I mean, you still have to make the read at the time and it's not easy, but I'll tell you what, and Eddie can attest to this. It is a heck of a lot easier for us to read into the crystal ball than it is any parent looking at their own kids. And I can vouch for that. I have three boys. It's hard for me to see because I have, they're my blood. I'm invested. It's very, very difficult to see it. Um, you know, see it clear. It's all. In fact, it's impossible. Yeah, you know, I know you're familiar, obviously, with Connor McDavid. And when you look at the uh, at the at his rookie season, even though Dylan Larkin was great, Max Domi, uh, Jack Eichel, 
it appeared in the limited time because of injuries that he had with Edmonton, he certainly does seem to be that once-in-a-generation player, or am I overstating it? I mean, he, he, he appears to be that good and a cut above all those, and even though they're all wonderful players in their own right, I mean, is that something that you guys saw when he was younger? I mean, was he, because he's always been, he's always stood out, and he seems to have lived up to the hype. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching Connor since he's 14. Um, I've never seen anything like it, to be honest with you. I mean, this kid absolutely dominated uh, at every level that he was at. And what he's doing in the NHL, I mean, if he would have been healthy this year, he walks away with rookie of the year. Oh, no question. There's no, there's no Easy. question about Easy, it. Yeah. Um, he's just that good. He's Crosby-esque. Um, you know, too late to say how he's going to, you know, how it's going to play out later on. But, um, you know, in all the years that I've played, I mean, he's Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky. Um, you know, he's the greats. Well, Jason, you, you just said, them, but he's the greats. You just said he's kind of like Crosby. Does that mean he's going to have difficulty when he goes to North Carolina, choosing which bathroom he, to use? That's exactly what I was getting at. <laughs> you know, Jay- oh my God. Jason, that is brutal. <laughs> we've oh, had wow. we've had a few conversations, um, you know, especially on the UP trip, um, as you were giving me that expert analysis and advice um, of how to move around my fantasy hockey team. Tell us a little bit about who are some of the guys you're representing now. Um, well, listen, I'm eight years in the business, guys, and it is, it's an exciting time for me because it takes that long, and Eddie knows this, to, to build. I didn't hop on with another agent and, and try to build it on the side or piggyback or anything like that. I started from the ground up. So it's very, very, very difficult. It's a very, very competitive market. So uh, proud to say that the guys that I started with uh, are now transitioning into the NHL. So Drew Miller has, has uh, is someone I've represented for four years now who's an, an amazing client, an amazing person, and, and a very integral part of, of the Red Wings for over the last little while here. And um, So he's a free agent this year. Um, Joseph Blandese is a player that's come on the scene in New Jersey that um, – Aside from his few embellishment penalties and fines, <laughs> uh, he's he's, he's uh, that's the Italian soccer in him. Hey, 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 uh, hey! <laughs> <laughs> he, he's come on. And he's he's showing great great promise. Um, you know, I have some kids that are knocking on the door, and Brendan Perlini is a first rounder of Arizona. He gets his shot coming up this year. He's still with Niagara Ice Dogs, still playing. Um, Vince Dunn went first overall to St. Louis last year. Um, this year's draft, I have Jack LaFontaine, one of the top goalies in the draft. Um, he's going to Michigan next year, by the way. Um, and Giovanni Smith, who's in Guelph, who's rated in the first or second round. So, you know, no question, um, excited about the youth of my agency, the vibrancy and, you know, the promise that a lot of these kids are showing. It, it's an exciting time for me, and I worked, I worked hard at it and I'm going to continue to work hard at it, but I love it. I mean, I get to take the journey um, and stand behind these kids as they, um, as, they, as they take, you know, 
try and go down the path that I went. You know, one of the things I always appreciate about spending time with you, Jason, doesn't matter where we're at, if we're getting a couple adult beverages or not, you've always got your phone out. You're always watching hockey, be it your son or your players. How is your son doing? What do you envision for him? My son, you know, here you go asking the dad. My son's great. He's the best player. No, you're not Craig you Wallanen. Know, no, it's. Um, I I feel like I have a very good grasp on my boys, and you know I have no expectations. I'm proud as heck of them, um, regardless of the hockey or not. Uh, my oldest boy is playing in the North American Hockey League, and you know he's trying to. Um, his goal is to play Division One hockey. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen, but he's got the right attitude and, and work ethic. Um, my middle boy is playing at Bloomfield Hills High School, which he's absolutely loving. And my uh, my youngest, my O2, is coming up playing in Birmingham organization, and I'm sure we'll transition into Bloomfield Hills High School as well. So I'm, um, I'm a former NHLer that's a parent who's in the business, that I feel has a very unique perspective on, you know, the journey of a hockey player. And I think you just, as for, for parents, I just think it's so important to just be encouraging and supportive and let them take the lead and just make sure that, you know, it's not about you, it's about them. Well, amen to that. And I know that you've got to go to get on the ice. I want to um, thank you. Uh, for calling in today. We appreciate your time with the Red Wing alumni. We always love having you out. And best case scenario, you know, we're going to see you at the uh, LPGA Meyer Classic out in June if your schedule works out. Well, you have, and you have my address to send the check, right, for today's interview? <laughs> oh. No, we got a pair of Floorsheim shoes for you and a nice Seiko watch. How about that? <laughs> and a pair of Crocs. <laughs> Second hand. And a tea set from Thank Michael Cifina. I, I had fun, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Wills. Appreciate it. See you, Willie. We're uh, we're going to take a um, a short break. We'll be back after a couple ads and a brief intermission. For years, you've been hearing me talk about the benefits of laser therapy at Pain Free Life Centers of Michigan. But don't take my word for it. I brought a guest in to talk to you today, former Detroit Tiger pitcher Dave Rosma. So, Dave, talk about your experience at Pain Free Life Centers. Everybody knew my karate kick from 35 years ago. I've had a lot of knee pains. I came to you. Jeff, after a few treatments, made it feel better and stronger. And then I come back for another therapy. Dave, how long did it take for you to notice a difference in your pain level? The first day. The comfort level, the warmness, flexibility in my knee. It it gives you a positive attitude. Um, Emotionally, I felt better because I'm a golfer. I like to work out. It let me do these things. And the most important thing, I felt less pain. So, Dave, what would you tell the listeners to do to try to avoid the drugs, the injections, and the surgeries? If you're suffering from pain, try pain-free life centers because it helped me. Call 248-879-1100 or visit painfreelifecenters.com. I'm Thad out with Zot M59 Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. During our spring clearance event, you'll find the best deals in the D. Jeff, we know that, but we only have 30 seconds to tell the people. No worries. We made it easy by listing every vehicle in our massive inventory with the very best price we can offer on dealsinthed.com. Like leases starting at $129 per month or new Jeeps starting at $17.9. Dad, we need to hurry. Our 30 seconds is almost up. But dealsinthed.com is on 24-7, 365. Get there. And that, of course, was Bruce Springsteen in Brooklyn this weekend after the sudden shocking death of Prince 
Eddie, Eddie's still trying to get over Who's Prince? <laughs> uh, Art, so we've ended the season now, um, and they had their wrap-up this week. You were in the room. What are some of your thoughts about how the uh, interview went and some of the rumors that have been flying around? Well, I, I, I thought that uh, what seemed to be one of the things that was addressed was the Red Wings need to get a little bit bigger. You know, that they're a little too small, all of the same player. Uh, I asked Z about that. Uh, he said, I don't know if we need to get bigger, but we have to score some garbage goals in the playoffs. <laughs> we need to score some ugly goals. He agreed with yeah. that. Abdicator said that, you know, hey, it would be great if we could bring in a bunch of guys that were all six foot five. You got to find them first, and there's not that many. And, uh, and, and then, of course, Zetterberg talked about the, the uh, published reports or some published reports, uh, you know, at least in the blogosphere. Uh, about uh, that the Swedish mafia is running the Red Wings, meaning that Joachim Anderson, who was put on waivers, was unclaimed and then sort of came back during the playoffs and people were kind of shaking their heads when they're begging for Athanasiu or even Mantha or somebody. I mean, I think Red Wing fans are ready to see young kids put on the red and white and see what they can do. But the you know the, the rumor was is that... Yeah, Zetterberg, Z, Z as we like to call him, went up to you know, management and said, listen, you got to bring Anderson up. Anderson can help on this way. You've got to play it. So they were calling the shot. So much so, according to this published report, that Jeff would address the team. Jeff Blash would address the team, say this is what we're going to do, or this is the line combinations, all this kind of stuff, or here's the power play or penalty kill, whatever, whatever you know, Eddie, you know better than me, whatever you guys talk about, you know, the strategy in the room and stuff. And as soon as the coach would leave, because most times the coach addresses the team, he walks out, lets the players do their thing, get it together, you know, yep. become form as a unit. And uh, as soon as he left, Zetterberg would say, okay, s- screw that. This is what we're going to do. Zetterberg was asked about that directly, that, you know, that they ran the room, that the, the Swedish mafia ran the room, and he shook his head. He just kind of smirked and said, listen, if somebody thinks that or writes that and believes that, then I want them to come here and watch how this room is conducted or how we, we go about our business because that's not the case. And and that was basically it. There's two two things against what this published report, okay, and, and being in a, in a dress room for many, many years. First of all, you have trainers, equipment managers, kids running around throughout even though the coach leaves, okay? You don't think it's going to get out. It just got out now. Right? Right. All of a sudden it gets out now. No. Trainers are there. They are management. Okay? They, if they heard something like that, they would go back to Blasher. Okay? Blasher. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and, and tell them, hey, listen, you're saying this, but yet Z, you better have a conversation with Z. That's number one. Right, right. You okay? got to talk to Z. Something's you better up. talk to right. Z. Something's going on. He doesn't agree with you. Whatever. Number two is one of the players is going to talk. To somebody, okay? Right. And one of the guys is going to be out going and saying, hey, listen. Well, supposedly the source is supposedly someone from that room. Yes. Oh, and he but, waited till now. Well, yeah. but see, this is the thing that I don't understand, Eddie, and Newman, get your perspective. I think we all, you know, I've covered professional rooms and college rooms of high-level programs or elite-level programs of various sports, you know, and I've done it for a long, longer than I care to admit, I guess, at this point. But mm. my, but my point being is this, is that 
I always think that in the course of a season, the interaction, because we're human beings and all that, and I've seen the dynamic between player and coach, there's probably going to be certain times during the season where they don't see eye to eye, where you know you might rub the captain the wrong way or things go on and players say something. The thing I have trouble believing and, and, you know, and I've known Z since the moment he landed in North America. The first interview that he and Nicholas Cromwell, who was also named, they're the two godfathers, so to speak. Uh, the first interviews they ever did in English were with me. And so I've known these guys and I have a little bit of a special bond with them. I really believe that. Uh, and I can't see them after being so happy to get rid of Mike Babcock not to have him around anymore, that they would cert- that they would turn around immediately and try to zir- circumvent yeah. the authority of this coach. And the fact is that a lot of these young Red Wings, maybe not Dylan Larkin so much, were coached under Jeff Blaschel, Peter Mrazek, guys that won champion, you know, won the Calder Cup, you know, Glenn ran, Denning, Glenn Denning, those guys, those guys all like him and played for him and respected him. Now, I don't know. Tatar said something very interesting. He said, you know, my role was a lot different this year. Uh, I didn't expect it to be that way, and he had limited ice time. But I think when Dylan Larkin came in, Larkin. First of all, being from here certainly helped. I mean, having the mission, you know, going to the University of Michigan, all that, being a local kid, really, you know, I- I'm sure engaged him into the fan base even more if he were just a kid from Saskatchewan or something. They would have loved him, but, you know, that special bond that he has. But perhaps maybe there were a couple of guys who thought, Mom, my ice time's down. I don't understand what Blash is doing. Uh, you know, uh, it looks like Brendan Smith, people were wondering why, you know, why is he being benched? He, he seemed to, in the sabermetrics world or whatever, they, he seemed to be the guy that, that seemed to be their best defenseman. No, I'm telling you, you know, I, I get, you guys know Stupid how it is. Penalties. I get it from, yeah, from. That's, that's why he sat. Right. You Stupid know, penalties. he, you know, uh, uh, Athanasi, why isn't he, why isn't double A playing more? He does the most with his ice time. I think Blash will address that. So I guess you can okay, see but, certain but points. How did he address that? Because as a casual fan, I'm asking the same question. Why did Double A have such well, limited ice time? He well, didn't I'll tell you, he's, it's a first-year player, man. A first-year player can't come in and dominate. Link Larkin came in. He's got great speed, but he also learned the game from who? He played on Zettelberg's line for most of the year, and then he also played on Zettelberg and Datsuk. The double A, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce right. He deserves the ice time he got. He did, I don't think he should have got more ice time. He really did. He still does a lot of things wrong. He's a one-year player right now. Now wait till next year and wait till a third year. Now that kid's going to get a lot of ice time. So you just who you go? What ice time are you going to take away? You know, I always let's th- put it that way. Well, I always thought, and uh, I don't know the if- casual fan. Hold on, uh, the casual that- fan doesn't know crap. That, okay, you're talking to me. I'm the casual <laughs> well, fan, and you don't know crap, uh, right? Now I understand. Come on, I don't want to split you two up again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what you hear when you go out on Facebook and you go out on because Twitter. They, okay, Newman, you understand how casual fans are. They'll try and find something to pick at. Okay, let's face it: the Red Wings were not that good for the last two years. Okay, they have enough to make the playoffs. What's what's fans are getting pissed off about is. They just don't want to make the playoffs anymore. They want to go past that first round. And this is what Art's trying to address right now with, with the exit things is about bigger guys. I don't think they need bigger guys, but they need a little more beef. 
guys that can play, whether it's the third or fourth line, so that the younger guys and the smaller guys aren't getting pushed around. Right. Guys like Larkin. Right. We saw Larkin get the crappy out of the second And and that's what happens in playoffs. You've been around for how many years? You see that. Well, but you see when playoffs (laughs) when playoffs start, what happens? It gets much more physical, and 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 a team like Detroit is built supposedly for speed. Now, the biggest thing wrong with Detroit is they can't score. Right, that's exactly okay? right. Okay, and you mentioned garbage goals. They got to get more than garbage goals. They got to get a pure score. Well, and that's why I guess if you look at well, this was this was the interesting thing. I think what was really telltale. First of all, Ken Holland did say that they you thought that they needed to get a little bigger. He did, and, he, and it's he, true though. He did it say that. Yeah. But what he also said was, first of all, Jeff Blaschel. This is two things. Jeff Blaschel said we need some of our very good players, some of our young good players, to become elite players. He said we need them to, to be dominant elite players. And he says, but it's tough. It's really, really hard. He named off a couple of rookies who had good regular seasons but are struggling in the playoffs now. He said, I watched the game last night. I can't remember off the top of my head who he was talking about. He goes, here's a guy in a game in overtime who has been a big-time player for them as a rookie just was is trying to make his mark and just yeah. couldn't do it. He said, you know, I'm – we need at least a couple of those guys. I don't know who they're going to be. I think the assumption is by us or the press or the fan base, it's going to be Dylan Larkin and Peter Morazek, exactly. that those are their two elite-level players. Those right. guys can can ascend to an, a, a level. He says, but it's going to be tough. We need that. Then Ken Holland says, gets up, and this is what was really kind of weird. He says, we need stars. We need stars. He said, but you don't get stars we don't have stars. You get stars through the draft. Yet, I don't want to bottom out. Yeah. I don't want the team to bottom out because a rebuild's like 10 years. Yeah. So we're building on the fly, and free agency isn't going to do it unless unless Steven Stamkos becomes available yeah. because that's the pure goal score that you're talking about. And I think that's what he's talking about in a star. He needs to bring that one big free agent star here that's a goal score. Or... An awesome defenseman because you go. <laughs> yeah, we haven't yeah. addressed the defense part. I mean, we could do a whole hour again on the on this thing. It, but when you mention the young stars again, Double A is going to be there, and and, and uh, Mantha could and, be and there, right? And Numi was right. Double A is going to be there. Now there's another guy who's going to mention. They figured Mantha would be here by now. Something went wrong with Mantha, and that's what they have to address. He come out a junior as a superstar. Well, not a, a, a superstar in junior, thinking. A little bit of transition, maybe a year, maybe two, and he'd be here well, I as a prolific scorer. The Quebec League is a scores league. It's, it's a, a running gun league, league yeah. in, and that you know that Mantha had to learn how to play both ends of the ice. Yeah. Well, you know what? And that's I just like you could talk to Brett Hall. I'll guarantee you right now, if we had a panel, Brett Hall, Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messe. They would give that little Make thing. Make it happen, that, Eddie. They, no, but they would say. <laughs> this is the Red Wing Alumni yeah. Podcast. With but, Newman, they're lining But my up. point is they would, say, they would say that's crap. They would say that's yeah. crap. Okay? The guy knows how to play one way right now. Let him do it. Now, if he becomes a very big detriment defensively, then okay. But you don't try and teach a guy that's all offensive, especially coming out of Quebec. As you said, that's right. a gun and run, right? Boom. They don't play defense. That's why the best goaltenders come out of Quebec. Well, not lately anymore, but they used to. Because they saw, they saw, they a, lot saw of a lot of rubber. Yeah. They saw a lot of rubber. So the gun and shoot. So for me, I wouldn't want to tra- try and trade, man- I mean, uh, uh, change Mantha. 
I need a goal scorer. Detroit needs a goal scorer. This is what this guy did. So play him with a couple good defensive guys, Zettelberg, Datsuk, who are always going to be there. And Which let him do. Leads, leads to the question. Datsuk, thoughts, both of you. Well, he's gone. We all know that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the word was, you know, Ken Holland, again, in his exit day press conference said, what he's doing in the you know right now with his teammates taking pictures and signing sticks and all that, I'm under the assumption that he's leaving. He's gone. We figured that you know he's going to go play in the World Championships for Russia. Yeah. Again, you know, just the press getting together and speculating. We think that he's going to announce his retirement in Russia because he doesn't want to be here in Detroit and. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a backlash, but the media there is going to be a backlash. And do you point at Holland right now? Well, and say what were you doing? Well, you know, again, not trying to get into some of the personal issues that Pavel has off the ice with family matters. He wanted that three year deal. I mean, he really did want that three year deal, and the Red Wings were more than willing to give it to him. I don't think because of the situation at the time that he signed that three year deal that they thought that he would leave after would two leave, years. Yeah. I, I don't think that. I, I mean, there's a couple of things that happened, too. Look at Brian. We haven't, Eddie said, we haven't talked about the defense, and he's absolutely right. They lost half of their defensemen in two years. Stewie was going to go back to yep. San Jose. Rafalski retired a year earlier than they thought, and I believe Nick retired a year earlier than yeah, they thought, too. Yeah. And then when Ryan Suter doesn't come here, look, I know people said, oh, God, don't bring this up again. But when Ryan Suter did not sign with the Red Wings, that really threw a monkey wrench into their Set long-term plans. Back. Sure. And, you know, with, with Pavel, again, guys, you got to understand, uh, it's not so much Pavel's decision, be it, to retire, which I think 99% he's retired. Yes. The point is he's beat up, okay? He's played a long time. As you mentioned, there's family. He wants to be with his daughter that's just grown up. It's his second marriage, so he's a split family. He wants to be back in Russia. The point is, is that the NHL has implemented this rule about the salary cap for one reason. GMs that have front-loaded contracts, long-term contracts. Well, Pavel was never front-loaded. So the NHL should look at this and say, you know what? They didn't really try and, and disguise this. It's not a six, seven-year contract. He made all his money up in the first four years, and he's only going to make a million the last three. Right, although it, it, it's prorated and to it's the prorated, length of the contract. Right? Right. This one was he played for $7 million a year. Okay, he's giving up seven million a year, and I don't think Detroit should be. And that's where the governors have to realize: hey, if it's not front loaded, take the cap off the table for the guys that do lose when somebody just decides he wants to retire. But we know as well is that the, those long term contracts. I think like Franson and Franson, yeah, Cleary, the, the, Howard. The, the, well, but the Red Wings. But the Red Wings were the ones who kind of. Came up with that. They this, came up with it. You and know, they, to, to front load it, even though it would count for the length of yeah. the contract, the cap hit. But it wasn't just them. The Islanders did it right. first with DiPietro. Right, right. DiPietro okay. too, right, you know. So, it, and then most teams started doing it and say, okay, if he leaves us the last two years, we only lose a million or two million. Well, the NHL says, no, 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 you're going to lose the 12 million you're paying them a year or whatever it was because it's going against your cap. Well, you know, and, and look, you know, Ken Holland told me when they signed Johan Franson, because everyone hosted, he said, listen, Bronson's deal, and I think now it starts to go down. I mean, it counts as like $4 million against the cap, but he makes like 3.5, and then it goes down to 2, 1, and 1. Yeah. He says, at the end of that contract, 
I can take Johan Franz and who he believed, you know, obviously at the time would be a name, would be a star in the league. I can trade him to a team that needs to get to the floor. This is well, where the Datsuk thing. This I is can where trade, Datsuk should be. I can we trade talked Franzen, about that, yeah. Even though they're only paying him a million because the con- contract was front-loaded, I'm going. It, it, it registers as four million, well, so they can get up to the cap. What ceiling. it is is there's, floor, there's teams I mean. that are way below the cap, right? So by trading Datsuk to a team that's way below the cap, they don't care because they're not ever going to reach that cap. You see what I'm saying? The the low market teams. So let's say you trade Datsuk to uh, whoever. Let's say Columbus well, at this time. That's got maybe $25 million worth of cap. That $7 million isn't going to hurt Columbus because they don't plan on signing Yeah, they're never going right to go to the ceiling of the cap. The they're going to barely make it to the floor of the and cap. And that may still happen. All right, yeah, we're going to maybe move that way. We're going to take a quick three-minute break. We're going to come back. We're going to finish this discussion. I'm Jeff Morton from Pain-Free Life Centers. I'm here with former Detroit Tiger pitcher Dave Rosemont. Dave, how long did it take before you noticed any benefits from laser therapy? The first day. That's awesome. And how, how did you feel? It, it gives you a positive attitude. Um, emotionally, I felt better. Flexibility in my knee, and the most important thing, I felt less pain. And as an athlete, you'd be an authority on pain. I use my body a lot. I do a lot of batting practice at Comerica, and it made my knee flexible, felt stronger. It feels good to me, and the pain was gone. So now you've heard from an authority on pain. So what's your excuse? I challenge you to pick up the phone and start living a better quality of life pain-free. Call 248-879-1100 or go to painfreelifecenters.com. We're so confident in what we do, we're going to give you a free consultation and a free treatment. So Dave, what would you say to somebody suffering from pain? Try it for yourself because it helped me and I'm sure it's going to help you. Painfreelifecenters.com. Do it today. I'm Thad Zott with Zot M59 Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. During our spring clearance event, you'll find the best deals in the D. Jeff, we know that, but we only have 30 seconds to tell the people. No worries. We made it easy by listing every vehicle in our massive inventory with the very best price we can offer on dealsinthed.com. Like leases starting at $129 per month or new Jeeps starting at $17.9. Dad, we need to hurry. Our 30 seconds is almost up. But dealsinthed.com is on 24 7 65. Get there. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. Not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we greatest hockey team. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Art, so what do you do at this point? I mean, we've got a lot of dead cap money next year. Well, if you look at some of the contracts that people are most uh, upset about, Justin Abdicator signed through 2023. Oh, I am still upset about $4.2 million cap hit. Erickson signed through 2020, $4.3 million cap hit. Johan Franzen signed through 2020, $3.9 million cap hit. Jimmy Howard, who seems like he wants to be moved and the Red Wings want to move him, that's, Who's going to take him though? Well, I, sign, tell me. He signed through 2019, $5.3 million cap. 
Cromwell through 2019, $4.8 million. Nyquist, 2019, $4.75 million. And then, of course, Zetterberg, who's not going to go anywhere, 2021 at $6.1 million. So, yeah. I mean, those are – I don't know who's going to take those deals. I mean, I think people would love to see a package of – you know, can you – Who's going to take Erickson and Howard and or, or will the no, Red Wings, if they want to move these people, will they have to pick up some of those contracts or some money in those contracts? Howard, for sure. I, I, I can't see anybody taking his. Do you, th- do you think Calgary will go for him? Or, I mean, that, who With else? the Canadian really? dollar the way it is for $5 million? Not Not unless uh, Detroit picks up some. I mean, nothing against Jimmy, and he, he tried to come back. And, he, and I thought he, he, you know, it wasn't his fault the first two games against Tampa. Right. I really don't believe that. Okay. Uh, but yet it's that stigma. Remember Shevel Day? Oh, yes. Just, okay, and, and once you get that st- stigma, fans here are tough. They're tough on co- quarterbacks, and they're tough on goalies. Okay? So no, once you get— It was his fault, but it was his fault for being in goal for the first two games. <laughs> you're, you're on break, yes? No. no. <laughs> so, so anyway, go— <laughs> So, <laughs> that, Steve, that is, that's the, the owner of the joint. He, it's Steve's can, birthday. Holds you yeah, it's his birthday. He can do whatever he that's wants. That's what fans want to know. You know? I mean, so, yeah, and he's a fan. He's a big fan. Well, you know, but, but you're right. Look, look, look at unrestricted free agency. Joachim Anderson is gone, right? He's going back to Sweden from, from all reports. Darren Helm, they'd like to sign. He'd like to be here. Unless he takes a hometown discount, he's gone, right? Drew Miller. I mean, he's great on the penalty kill, and he's done a lot. 32 years old. I don't see him coming back. I don't know. He's got a strong agent, though. Well, well, yeah, I, 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 we should have. You know, you know in, in, with Drew Miller right there, he probably will take the home discount. Right. If, he, if, if he might. If he it's might, cost effective, yeah. they'll sign him. Kyle Quincy. Okay, I know he gets, he's the whipping boy, but Kyle Quincy. Kyle Quincy's he's gone. Consi- he's considered to be one of the top defensive free agents, which goes to show you how nothing against Kyle, how – you know, week. It's a week. It's a week. Yeah. And then Brad Richards, thirty-five unrestricted free agents. He's not coming back. He's not coming back. So none of the unrestricted free agents, except for maybe Drew Miller, and maybe Helm, depending on how much money he's less money he's willing to take for the Red Wings from other I, I'm teams. Telling you, I he might lose everybody. Drew Miller, because of his skill on the power play, I think he can go out power on a free play. agent P- penalty yeah, kill penalty on the penalty kill. kill. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, I stand correct. I was going to say you know, he can go out there. On the free market and probably get more than what Detroit's offering. That could that could happen at thirty two. I mean, you know, he is coming yeah. off of Miller. He They're is, not used to sticking with one team for long. Well, well and he's coming off some. Uh, he's coming some off injuries some major too, injuries. Yeah. He hasn't played a full season. I don't think his worth on the open market is as much as you might think. I mean, he's a great asset, but take a look at the league. Everybody's got a pretty good fourth line right now because they've learned that a fourth line is very important. Okay, you need they're not superstars, but you need them to play that four to five minutes a game and shut down whatever you ask them to do. Okay, as long as they're not a defensive detriment. Drew Miller fits in there. He can play on anybody's fourth, maybe third line. Is there that many teams that are going to pay him what he might not get here? Meaning if if Detroit offers him two million, okay. Do you think he's going to get more than $2 million out on the open market? Well, I another, don't think so. And another thing, when we're looking at unrestricted free agents and long-term contracts, let's look at the restricted free agents who could get qualifying offers, as Eddie very well knows, and could could jump. I mean, I have, I have friends of mine who are definitely afraid that Peter Morazak is going to get some sort of huge uh, qualifying offer 
uh, that the Red Wings are going to have to match, which is going to throw them out of the uh, out of the cap. But these are guys that are unrestricted free agents this year: Danny DeKaiser, Alexi Marchenko, Peter Morazak, Timo Palkinen, who people have wondered what the hell ever happened to where, him, where did he go? and and Riley Shane. So what are you going to you know you those guys are going to all expect some some pay pay but, too? You know. It, it, the point is, it's not going to be. You, you mentioned Peter Mrazek is the only one out of that group that you really got to sign. You, you, well, you got to sign, uh, and he might be the only one to get an offer as restricted. Because remember, really? when I rep- how about Marchenko? They seem to be in love with him. Yeah, but remember how tough it was for me and Sergey when I represented yeah, well, Sergey. Yeah. Well, we I know sat, all about that. You know all about. We sat till September to the end of March, uh, February. Okay, yeah. sat, got a few other offers, but. Uh, teams still don't want to step on. There is that one team it's that supposedly will take an unwritten the rule. Right? It's an unwritten yeah. rule. So with Peter Morazic knowing the situation, I think he might be the only guy out of that group that somebody might take a chance and say, "Let's buck the system and let's make him a qualifying." So that's guys, if he if he holds out. With that, you know we're down to our last minute here. Um, but as we're about to take a couple week break too, we're going to be off till about May eighteenth. But I'd like your real quick hits. Who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup this year? Go ahead, Art. Well, I'll tell you who I'd like to see win it, actually, is the St. Louis Blues. Just because they haven't done it. And, and, and then I'm, I'm a little bit, and I don't know why, but I've always had a fascination with the Washington Capitals. If they can't do it, I really like Barry Trotz a lot. I mean, he was hired like two years before Nashville had a team. He used to come on my radio show all the time because he had so much time. The I guess. Capitals are like the damn San Jose Sharks. Well, right. Well, hold on. It, That's it, my pick. Uh, well, go, ahead. You know, go ahead. Well, Sorry, because of Pete DeBoer's a good buddy, too. Well, I would have seen San Jose. For me, what you just hit on, Washington, St. Louis would be great. Stanley Cup champs, okay? They've been in it so long. Washington is always knocking on the door. St. Louis, the same thing. Something always seems to happen. But for me, it's because of one guy, Joe Thornton. Yeah, And I, I represented know. him. Jumbo since, Joe. Jumbo Joe. I had him since 14 years old, represented him, brought him to where he is. The parents and I are still good friends. For him, because I don't think Joe's legacy in the NHL, which should be great, should be a Hall of Fame no, here. No question. Okay? Won't be complete without that Stanley Cup. Well, you've convinced me. Right. I, I'm with you. Eddie's got San Jose. Art's got the San Jose. Um, you've got San Jose, um, just in deference to Eddie. But yeah. St. Louis St. Blues. Louis, yes. I've got the Blues also. Jessica, who do you got? Did, why? Why would you ask? Washington. Okay, Washington. <laughs> or the Red go. Wings. <laughs> or the Red Wings. Yeah, okay. Uh, Anyways. And that's going to wrap Not it up. this year. <laughs> Thanks again to Art Regner for My joining us. Anytime. Thanks for Jason Willie calling in. Always love being here with Eddie Mio. And Jessica, once again, thank you. No, thank you guys. And we'll see you in a couple weeks.